Father, just thank you so much for sending your son. Thank you for the gift that you gave to us in him. Thank you so much that he fulfilled everything that you promised. Uh, thank you for the wonder of how in the world he could be fully God and fully man. Thank you for the gift of his death and his resurrection, the hope of his return. Father, would our Christmas be filled with the reality that what you said you were going to do, you accomplished. So we ask all these things in your precious name. Amen. We'll have a seat for just a second. Let me just say this. I, haven't, I tried to get around everybody, but then the room started filling up. I didn't get to do it. So let me say it. I can't see many of you because I'm like blinded right now. But Merry Christmas to all of you. Just Merry Christmas. Um, most people that know me <laughs> know that I'm kind of a Grinch around Christmas. Uh, but let me explain, okay? I'm not a Grinch on Christmas Eve. I love the fact that in this moment, like I love that we get to set aside a night where we just think about Jesus. I feel like so often we get lost in all the other stuff sometimes. We don't mean to, but we do. And so sometimes I just get, I don't know, Grinchy, but God's doing a work on me. I think a lot of what it is is I see so much hope around this time of year, if you know what I'm talking about. There just seems to be a lot of hope. But then somewhere around, I don't know when it is, January 1st, <laughs> the hope is gone. And I, I think I know why. And let me just, let me grab this over here to see if we can kind of talk about it for a second. I think sometimes when we talk about the word hope, we have the word like wish in our mind. We don't talk about it like the Bible talks about it. We talk about it from the sense of like a wish. Um, I wish things would get better. Um, we kind of cross our fingers in hope. It's kind of like when we get a gift, something like this, especially when I was a little kid, I know I wished for certain things. I remember one time I had totally told my parents, I want a drum. And I look out underneath the Christmas tree and I see something that's round and that it's kind of long. And I'm like, shut up. I wished for it and it came true. And so I would sit and I would bang on that thing like this all the time just thinking this is the greatest. I'm about ready to get a drum. And then I opened it. It was Lincoln Logs. <laughs> and in a weird way, I kind of felt like this. Nothing. I feel like because we keep putting our hope in things that are kind of here today and gone tomorrow, our hopes kind of get dashed because we keep opening them and they feel like this. We wish and we wish and we wish and at the end of it, there's nothing. And so kind of in a weird way, we don't mean to, but we start to get even at times cynical as we place our hope in things and they're kind of here today and gone tomorrow and disappointment and hopelessness kind of comes along. Well, one of the cool things about the Christmas story that wasn't read about was this is kind of what the feeling was like in Israel at the time. For the longest time, there was just a mood in which Israel had been this great kingdom. And in being this great kingdom, they had sinned against God. And slowly over time, they just kind of become a doormat to the rest of the kingdoms in the world. And in being that, they also kind of were under a religious system at the particular time where they didn't know what about it, but they just knew it wasn't right. It felt oppressive and it just kind of felt hollow. They knew that God had promised something to them and they were waiting for it, but they were still waiting and wondering where did it go? Now into this, this is what's so incredible about the story of Jesus. He was the hope actually that they'd been waiting for, not hope like they'd thought about 
He was the hope to rescue them from their sin. He was the hope of a brighter future, not just kind of for the temporary future, but for forever. He was the hope of dealing with their past so that they knew how to deal with their present and their future. He was the hope, the one that was going to be there to set all things straight that they just knew weren't correct. They had no clue, but God suddenly entered hope into the world. But God's hope is different, and this is what like, I think we get messed up on, is we tend to place our hope in things that are here today and gone tomorrow, but biblical hope isn't like other hope. Biblical hope is this. When God says he's gonna do something, when he promises, he always comes through on it. The beauty of hope biblically is, is when God says it, I can count on it. See, that's what all this stuff that you read, right, when they were reading the whole story of God, it was just the fulfillment of a bunch of promises. It was the fulfillment way back in Genesis 3.16, God promised that there was gonna be one that was gonna be born of a woman that was gonna come and was gonna crush the snake who had dared to creep into the garden. But not only was he going to be born that way, in Genesis 12 and in Genesis 21, we learned that he was going to be of the line of Abraham. In Genesis 17 and 22, we learned that also that he was going to come through the lineage of Isaac. We learned in Numbers 24 that he was going to also come through Jacob. And, and we also learned he was going to come from the line of Judah. See, all along, God had been promising this one was going to come. And it's one thing to say, hey, the Messiah is going to come born of a woman it's another thing to orchestrate all of history in just right way, in just the right time to land Jesus. It went on, the Bible also talks about, and what we read is that there was a promise in 2 Samuel 7 in which this Messiah was gonna be born as an heir of King David. He wasn't only gonna be the heir of King David, but we learn in Micah 5 that he was gonna be born also in a specific place. He was going to be born in a specific place, even in Hosea 11, that was going to be born to a virgin in Bethlehem. Now think about this. To predict the fact of where he was going to be born and by whom a woman that was a virgin. Now that's pretty incredible. Now why do we know that it was going to be fulfilled? Because God said it and it's going to happen. There was even promises all throughout the Bible in which he was gonna come in such a way that he was gonna be the hope of Galilee. He was gonna come out of Nazareth. He was gonna have to spend some time in Egypt. Over and over and over, God said, this is what's gonna happen, and he promised it, and he was telling his people, you can place your hope in that because I said it and I'm gonna do it. Now, he didn't stop there. Let me throw a few more up on there. We also know that someone was going to come before the Messiah, a guy named John the Baptist. But not only was there going to be John the Baptist, <coughs> excuse me, is that he would also be this Nazarene that would be the light to Egypt. Actually, that should be Galilee. Oops, I threw it up there wrongly. The next one, he would speak, not only speak in any way, but he would speak in parables. Go to the next one. He would heal even the brokenhearted, even those that are afflicted. Go to the next one. He would be called king. Go to the next one. He would be betrayed by a friend and abandoned by others. Go to the next one. He would be rejected by his people. Go to the next one. He would be falsely accused. Go to the next one. He would be beaten beyond recognition. Go to the next one. He would be mocked and ridiculed. Go to the next one. He would be pierced in his hands and his feet. Go to the next one. He would die. Now stop there. All of these prophecies God promised, and it happened. See, the reason I think we get so just kind of disenchanted 
is that we keep banking our hopes on things that are here today and gone tomorrow. But God, when he says it, he means it. And if we bank our hopes there, it always comes through because the other thing that God promised was that when he also died, his son would raise again. When his son raised again, talk about a shock to the world. He then, and he ascended back to the Father, and he launched this group of people out that he also promised. In Jeremiah 31, he said this about this people that would come after me. He said, I'm gonna put my law within them and write it on their hearts and minds. I will be their God and they will be my people. People will no longer need to teach their neighbors and relatives to know me for all of them from the least to the most important to the, uh, will know me, says the Lord, for I will forgive them of their sin and they will no longer call to mind any wrong that they have done. What would he do? This Jesus, he promised, would come and forgive all of their sins and launch a movement. It wouldn't be like any movement. When we get to Ezekiel 36, the idea was it was gonna be this group of people that were changed. They made different on the inside. That little baby, when we ask what child is this, he was gonna be a baby that was gonna launch a movement. And from that, Paul, the Apostle Paul, wrote in 2 Corinthians 3 that something unique was gonna happen to this group of people. Throw that on the screen. He said, since we have such a hope, they were gonna behave, he says, with great boldness. This movement that was gonna get launched was a group of people that were gonna go and care for the poor and the needy and the sick. The church became these ones that spawned hospitals and education institutions we call schools. They would also be groups of people that where war was, they were gonna go into it like the Red Cross, where there was pestilence, they were gonna enter into it to bring hope to that particular world. They were gonna be a group of people that once they grasped the hope, it didn't matter what it is, in famine, no matter what, they would enter into it because they understood that when God said something, he was gonna come through with it. They believed at the gut level of who they were that when Jesus said, I'm coming back, they could go and live with boldness. When we ask the question, what child is that? He was the one that was gonna launch a movement of people that were gonna take the gospel all over the world. And he was gonna be this one who would change everything. I stand here before you today as saying this, Jesus said, or God promised, Jesus was gonna come the first time But the good news is, is Jesus is also coming back a second time. Jesus is going to come back, and the Bible tells us he's not going to come back any old way. He's going to come riding on a horse. He's not going to come laying in a manger. He's going to come with a crown. He's going to come with a sword in his hand, riding with boldness as king of kings and lord of lords. And he's going to establish this world, everything we've always wanted, from all the sick and the poor and the needy and the war and the pestilence. He's going to set them aside, and according to Revelation, this is what it's going to look like. When he shows up, he says this about it, is that there, look... The residence of God is among human beings. He will live among them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death will no longer exist or mourning or crying or pain for the former things have ceased to exist. A promise of God. For all of you in here that know Jesus, this is why I love this day. The celebration of of God who enveloped himself in flesh was launching everything so that all of us that stand here today that know Jesus, we can boldly proclaim with everything that we are, 
Our Savior is coming back to set everything right. And no matter what is wrong in this world today, Jesus wins. I know I say that a lot, but don't miss this. As you're sipping your eggnog, as you're playing whatever game you play tonight, as you're opening your presents, as you're watching football tomorrow, our King Jesus, he reigns over all. And when he comes back, all those things that we see wrong with our world will be set straight. Now, I don't know where everybody's at in here tonight also. I don't know how many know Jesus, but let me tell you something. If God promised that it's gonna happen. Jesus was talking with his disciples before he left and he said, I go to prepare a place for you that where I am, there you may also be. And the guys all said to him, Jesus, how do we know how to get there? What in the world are we supposed to do? And he said this to him. I'm the way and the truth and the life. No one goes to the Father but through me. Tonight, if you don't know Jesus, tonight is a phenomenal night to sit across from somebody that maybe you came with and say, okay, that guy talked about Jesus. And if whatever God says always comes true, I need to know Jesus. Ask them, how can I know Jesus tonight? For those of you that do know Jesus, we should all leave here as the most bold and confident people in the world because we know how this whole thing ends. If tonight, though, if you're feeling like hopelessness and you're a follower of Jesus, we'd also love to pray for you over at the prayer room. But I'd love for just everybody right now just to stand up, if we could. This has been an interesting year, hasn't it? I need everybody just to take a deep breath. Come on. The little baby who laid in the manger, who came to this earth as fully God and fully man, who lived a perfect life and demonstrated his power and who he was through miracles, through healing, through casting out demons, through caring for the poor and the needy and the sick and speaking boldly to those that were holding power wrongly over people, who then chose in the grace and humility of who he was to humble himself to the point of even death and death on a cross so that he might defeat sin, that then spent three days as the world wondered what was gonna happen to him and on that third day was ripped from the grave and resurrected as King Jesus is right now at the right hand of the Father. He's interceding on all, for all those who know him. He is orchestrating history like he's been doing throughout all of time. And he's orchestrating it in such a way where eventually the Father is gonna look at the Son and he's gonna tell the Son, go get your people, let's set all things straight like we promised from the very beginning. And with a shout and a trumpet, it will happen. And so regardless of what happened this year, or regardless of what happened this year, next this coming year, King Jesus reigns. Amen. Amen. Amen? All right, let's bring the band up and let's sing a couple more songs before we go.